I don't know what the magic ingredient is there other than discipline around responsible decisions, trying to make things that put the odds of success in your favor. So trying to stack the deck where the probability of a better outcome is high. That was AJ Wagner, and this is Guild Stories. Hey, y'all, and welcome to Guild Stories, the podcast where every person has a story, and it's the stories that connect us all. I'm Justin Rickliffs, founder and CEO of Guild Content, husband of Brooke, and father of five young people. And I'm joined today by my lovely co-host, who happens to be my wife as well. Hey, guys, I'm Brooke, owner of Reclaim the Home, Justin's wife and mother of five. We're so grateful you're here. This podcast is a place where we'll explore the stories of hustlers, dreamers, and doers, who are going for it by pursuing meaningful work and living life with purpose. Welcome to Guild Stories. All right, so this one's a fun one, y'all. Um, I, I Let's just start with this. So guest name today, AJ Wagner, he's got a lot of acronyms behind his name that I'll, I'll say a few, and I literally have no idea what they mean. CFP, which I think means Certified Financial Planner. BFA, don't know what that means. CRPC, don't know what that means. Um, but AJ is a partner at Austin Private Wealth, which is a, um, a wealth management firm based in Austin, Texas. Um, but he is he is bravely, um, well, he's braved the elements to be with us here today in the four degree, as we're recording this, it's four degrees in Kansas City. So he's uh, brave the, the weather to be with us here today. Um, and Austin Private Wealth is a registered investment advisory firm. But we're, we'll hit on that, I'm sure, but, but much more than that, I think we're going to have a, a really fascinating conversation with AJ about life and growth and taking risks and, and living a life of intention and purpose. So, um, AJ, welcome to the show, bro. Thank you so much. So happy to be here. Really appreciate the opportunity. Love seeing the setup here, and it's no place I would rather be right now than right here with you. Even, you. even when it's four degrees outside? Aside from that, <laughs> nice and cozy inside here, though. So thank you. So I, I got a text this morning from AJ that said, um, you know, essentially was like, "Hey, are we still on?" I was like, "Yeah, man, it's fine. Like, it's it's freaking cold, but like, it's fine. The roads are fine." He's like, "Yeah, I mean, I can't tell if I'm being a wuss or what, but the, <laughs> I'm we're glad you braved in your uh, in your sport coat and jeans that you look like Austin, Texas, um, in the middle of a of a brutal Missouri winter." So That's thanks for other, being with us. Thank you. Yeah, the other part is I didn't check the weather before I came here, so I came. Very, very poorly <laughs> equipped for what actually happened here. Well, you, um, you, we're blessed to have you, dude. And um, I, I, there, there's so many things in my kind of monkey brain that I want to like jump into in 12 different places at once. But what if we started with um, just kind of wind us all the way back to the beginning? Tell us who you are, what your story is, where you grew up, um, and then and then let's 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 get into all these different rabbit trails that I want to run down. Perfect. So grew up right down the road from your lovely wife in Gladstone. Yep. Worked my way through North Kansas City schools and uh, ended up going to Mizzou, which is where I met my wonderful wife. And that's a whole bunch of things kicked off from there. Um, part of which was relocating to a bunch of different cities following her along her career. Um, so now we live in Austin, Texas, like you said, Part partner in this financial planning firm. We have about $450 million that we manage. We have 750 families that we're helping. And uh, of course, none of that would exist if it weren't for all of these different turns along the way. So excited yeah, to talk through all those things. So grew up in KC. What was, what was childhood kind of like for you? Childhood was fantastic. I had a fantastic example in my parents. And um, when I was 
freshman in high school, one of the pivotal things that happened, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And at the time, because I was a freshman in high school, seemed like she was old. And now yeah. looking back, as I close in on the age that she was when she was diagnosed and thinking about the little kids that I have and the little kids that she had at the time, mm-hmm. um, what must have been going through her mind, it gives you a completely different perspective oh, on yeah. that experience today. Um, so that played a pivotal role in my experience. She was actually uh, real involved in the community. Hillcrest yeah. here in town was yeah. in its infancy. She would spend mm-hmm. Christmas and Valentine's Day there taking care of families and working in the food pantry and mm-hmm. kind of built it into something more meaningful. Um, so I had a fantastic example there. My freshman year at Mizzou, um, that's, we were very fortunate to travel, see the world and do a bunch of things. And I think mm-hmm. part of that was she knew she was sick and she wanted to live and be present in every single moment. Um, so part of my exposure f- through that travel was that I had big aspirations of going somewhere for college. Um, we would take a road trip every single summer to South Carolina. A couple of those road trips through high school, they stopped me at every single campus along the way from Kentucky wow. to uh, North Carolina to Duke and on and on and on. So I had all these dreams, but with mom being sick, I decided to stay at Mizzou, which ended up being a very good decision mm-hmm. because my freshman, uh, first semester of my freshman year, her cancer came back. Mm-hmm. So I was able to come back and be there as she was going through her treatments and spend time with dad. She ended up passing away in 2000. So able to come back and spend time with dad. And then he ended up buying tickets to Mizzou and becoming a big supporter. So yeah. he'd come down and spend time with us down there. So Mizzou ended up being the place for me to be. Oh. Um, it was fantastic. And then I had a friend there who was very good at striking up conversations with random people. And so (laughs) my life and my family would not exist. I have to give him a shout out, Pete Brandell. Um, We were walking behind Memorial Union one day and this beautiful woman steps out of this car in the parking lot. I was speechless, couldn't (laughs) actually say a word. Pete chimed in and started a conversation with her. Um, Anyhow, that was Jeanette and how we no met. Way. Stopped her in a parking lot randomly. I didn't had no idea about that story. Oh yeah, whole <laughs> whole bunch of moving parts to that, but wouldn't wouldn't exist if it weren't for Mizzou and all of those um, experiences and relationships along the way. So today we're sitting there with three kids in Austin, Texas. Love She's it. from Austin, which is why we okay. landed down there and make it back to Kansas City quite a bit to see family and friends. Yeah. Um. So that's awesome. Yeah. M I Z man. That's uh, uh obviously a dear place to my heart and and our story um with with Brooke and um the way our I mean we we met in high school and and did that thing but to to we got engaged when we were at Mizzou and the whole thing so Columbia is a dear place for us as well so I appreciate you sharing that story um and man I I can't even imagine what you and your your dad and and your brother um it's just you and Zach right there's four of us oh I don't know if I knew that yeah two older siblings okay I don't know if I knew that I didn't clearly knew that i Clearly did not know that, as I said, um, uh, your younger brother's name. So, um, but man, I like that. That's uh, yeah. My, my sister was diagnosed with breast cancer, and is has, is in remission and fighting that. But man, that's just the scary, like unfair, broken, hard part. And and I, I appreciate you sharing part of that story with us. Um, when you met Jeanette in the parking lot, you're speechless. Your buddy's talking. Okay, you guys. Um, end up getting married, and and then what happened? Like, where where'd life kind of take you guys from there? Yeah, so her very first job with General Mills was in the Detroit area. 
So we lived in Ann Arbor immediately after I graduated from Mizzou. This is back when email barely existed. I remember that. And so <laughs> trying to find a job, I followed her um, to Ann Arbor. We had been dating. When she got that job offer, we had been dating about six weeks. And I followed her to Ann Arbor because I knew, like, you catch lightning in a bottle, you do not let go. Yeah. I did not want to lose her. That's awesome. So followed her to Ann Arbor. And just thinking back on what it's like to find a job back in those days in a community where we had no connections, knew nobody, um, I actually went to the University of Michigan Career Center, and I'm going through paper files of companies that were available in the area um, to try and find a job. So, landed and your major was what? Business. Okay. And okay. I had a minor in psychology, always interested Interesting. in the human condition, yeah. human mind. Makes sense. Um, so, landed a sales job there, and then... What kind of sales? I was selling rentable uniforms. Whoa. Yeah, so you go to a manufacturing facility or a car repair place, any place where they have yeah. the patches with their names on yeah. it. Uh, nine times out of ten, that's a laundry service that comes through and washes their uniforms, and okay. they, those companies rent the uniforms. Got it. So we sold from everything from blue-collar manufacturing stuff all the way up to uh, physicians and hospitals. Surgical and, scrubs and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So Crazy. Fantastic experience just in terms of – Detroit at that time in the early 2000s was going through major, the country was in recession and Detroit was hit very hard. Yeah. Um, and this was old school door to door, walking around selling oh, in Detroit, wearing a shirt and tie in the summer, walking around through manufacturing facilities and industrial parks. Um, it's a fantastic professional experience yeah. and just the range of people that I was able to meet with really helped me learn to communicate with people from all these different backgrounds and with, with, the comfort of growing up in Kansas City, and you know how here you walk through the grocery store, you're running into five hey, people you neighbor, know. Up there. Church guy, friend, yeah. Yep. You're walking through an industrial park in Detroit, and that's not going to happen if you're mm. from Kansas City. Mm. So it's a fantastic growth opportunity, fantastic chance to get out of my comfort zone. Um, and from there, General Mills relocated Jeanette back to Kansas City, which was a very interesting experience for us because I hadn't lived here since an adult, graduating yeah. high school. Yeah. Um, so we got to spend a year here, and then they mm. kind of require a stint through their headquarters in Minneapolis. Okay. And so that was next on our rotation. We spent a few years in Minneapolis. Which well, is a great city. Minneapolis is fantastic. It feels like Old. Kansas City today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Negative wind chill. And it drags it's on for a very long time up there. Um, the yeah. winter is very long. And so because of that, people embrace it. Yeah. And so we learned yeah. to love that part of it, too, where they have a kite flying festival on a frozen lake in February awesome. and you're just outside, like still living life. It was yeah. fantastic to see. Um, while we were in Minneapolis, her mom became disabled. Mm. And so Jeanette was flying back and forth for doctor's appointments and trying to be involved in her care and making decisions about what her life was going to be like. She was just in her mid fifties at the time or early fifties. Oh, um, and so that point in time I had transitioned from uniform sales into pharmaceutical sales okay. and that was not the right fit. For me, personally, yeah. professionally, um, the company let me know that proactively it was not the right fit <laughs> for me. So they helped. Hey, me. we're gonna have a talk. Force my this, hand. Yeah, this isn't really gonna work out. <laughs> exactly. I've had. I've been on that side of the conversation too. Another fantastic <laughs> professional experience that I think yep. everyone should yep. encounter. But it gave us this Jeanette and me this chance to reflect on mm. what we wanted from that next chapter of our life, mm. and it kind of coincided perfectly with her going back and forth to Austin, and I thought. Why don't we just move down there, give it a shot? And General Mills was fantastic. This is right as the housing, 
crisis in 2007 started to turn and um, I got my financial advisory licenses and all that stuff taken care of in Minneapolis. Um, but started my practice in Austin. And you General were doing Mills. the, fi- okay. So, so you go from the unwinding of the pharmaceutical thing to knowing right away, man, I'd rather do this. And I want to do the financial, like, what was yeah, that? Yeah, My two passions connection? at the time were photography and financial advice. Huh. So I've always been a photography guy and loved it. Huh. And so I took a financial advisor up there out to lunch and just picked his brain about what's it like to do this for cool. a living. Cool. Um, and I thought it was a, you can't really do financial advising as a hobby. You don't have that outlet, but you do have photography as an outlet. And so I thought I wanted to pursue financial advice as a career, um, still maintain my interest in photography, but do it on the side mm. just as project and fun mm. outlet. Um, so during my lull in my career, you have to go through months of licensing and actually getting registered to give advice takes sure. time. So sure. I, I tackled that while we were in Minneapolis and then started my practice in, uh, May of 2007, moved down to Austin and started down there. Awesome. And by, okay, cool. So you're, at that point, how many, did you guys have kids at that point? No kids. Okay. No, okay. and honestly, because of the housing situation, our house was worth much, much less than what we had paid for it. We wouldn't In even Minneapolis. Have, oh, yeah. It, yeah, and we wouldn't even have had the opportunity to move to Austin to get Jeanette closer to her family if it weren't for General Mills having all these corporate benefits that yeah, allowed yeah, yeah. for it to happen. Yeah. It ended up being a corporate location, relocation that brought us back to Austin. Okay. Got it. Um, so when I look back at all this stuff, I owe a huge debt of gratitude to General Mills and all the friends and the opportunities that they gave Jeanette to help her family. And, um, the, the way that they exposed us to different parts of the country cool. and all the friends that we made along the way, yeah. they played a huge part in this. They were fantastic for Jeanette to work for, which is another part of the rest of our story. And so, yeah, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have landed in Austin had it not been for their help along the way. That's awesome, man. Um, I'm struck by, and maybe this is my own bias coming out. I'm convinced, and somebody could probably convince me otherwise, that from a corporate, not not corporate, from a business and a professional perspective, learn, and I've said this on another episode of Guild Stories, but to learn the concept of how to sell is a is a skill that like there's no automation for, mm-hmm. no. Um, artificial intelligence, like the, the ability to relate to a human, understand their need, understand if whatever you're selling uniforms or pharmaceuticals or marketing services or financials or whatever the thing is to, to relate to them and to put yourself into their shoes, I think is such a, um, I don't know, I, I, I'm, I'm rambling about it, but the, no, I totally agree. It's the heart of business. Yeah. If you don't, if you're not selling something, yeah. then you go out of business. So. Yeah. It's yeah, the heart and, of everything. And yeah, that, you nailed it, man. You said it much more succinctly than than I. Surprise, but the um, but that thread of like, learn. Everybody's in sale. We're all they, to have a business is to sell something, um, and it doesn't have to be uh, baggaged with sl- slimy, sleazy, selfish, right? Like those kind of stereo- stereotypes. I should blog about that actually. Um, but the but the connecting and the human element and the Man, I'm walking door to door in Detroit, schlepping rentable uniforms. That, that you didn't graduate Mizzou thinking that was going to be your path. No, and yet you did it, and it's led to all these other things that you would have never been able to predict. Well, and it, to me, it makes the story sweeter when you're. I mean, imagining Detroit 2002, 2003, 
and seeing buildings burned out, like broken windows, stuff you would mm -hmm. maybe see on TV. Um, sitting with the owner of a tow truck company who has a gun on his hip, mm -hmm. and you're in a shirt and tie with your briefcase trying to go in there and pitch him <laughs> on a laundry service. Certainly builds character. Absolutely. And it broadens your horizons as far as, I mean, even just how business works. There's all these different ways to make money that you don't think about. Huh. Um, and laundry services to tow truck companies is one of them. Yeah. It's, it's a fantastic experience. It's fascinating. Okay, sorry. I, 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 I dovetailed this. Um, so you're in Austin. You're home with Jeanette's family. You're in a cool city. You're starting a, a new startup, essentially. Like, mm -hmm. What was that like? Yeah, you start at zero. It's tough. And you make decisions around your life and where you want to go as a family. And you think you're getting it right, but you don't necessarily know in the moment. And nothing is promised. So we truly started from zero. And pharmaceutical sales in your mid-20s is a lucrative career. It's a place where salespeople, yeah, to your yeah. point about sales, it's a desirable sales job to be yeah. in. You have a company car and you have benefits and you yeah. have health insurance. Big bonus opportunities. and Yeah. 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 And it's uh, going into financial planning, building a investment management practice. You make $0 per year. And it's truly just a, a number of hours that you have to put in. So the, the hours that we started were 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday. The required hours were 9 to noon on Saturday. Um, but most of the time you ended up staying through four o'clock or so on Saturday. So to go from mm. nice, comfortable life to eight to eight, and then all day Saturday for $0 per year. A lot of people question whether or not that was the right move. And it certainly was a major sacrifice from Jeanette. Sure. Um, we had no time together and even down to me not feeling like I had the energy at the end of the day to just balance our own checkbook or take care of anything personally with groceries or around the house or whatever. She's Dude, of course. carried the load. And that, that workload um, this probably lasted for years. I mean, it was definitely the first two years. And then still to this day, we'll have periods of work where yeah. it's very intense. Yeah. So it takes a, it takes a whole yeah. family commitment. This yeah. is this is not something that you just do casually if you want to do it well. Right. In my opinion. Remind me, you started in 08? 2007. 2007. Okay. So so yeah, not so only are you, um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, you're unemployed, like you, you become unemployed yes. quickly. You're losing your ass on a house in Minneapolis. Yes. You're starting a business that requires a long view, not a short view of yes. time and effort and all the stuff. Right. And you're moving city. Like, dude, come on. Like, it, well, oh, and, and you're about to enter the, the most difficult financial market and reality and economic climate that in our lifetime we've ever seen. Oh yeah. Those seem like good. And components. on top of that, <laughs> and on top of that, it gets better. The marketing model was to target your friends and family as your very first clients. And those don't, those don't live in Austin. Uh, well, but you're immediately just losing everybody that you care about and half of their money <laughs> right off the bat as you're starting your career and oh, have oh, really I'm nothing tracking. to fall back on. Yeah, it's You're mm. working with the people that are closest to you. Mm. And so it, that the market bottomed in uh, March of 2009. And so it was really a full two years there of nothing oh. but the news keep kept getting worse and oh worse and worse. And oh the accounts gosh. kept getting worse. And I had no professional context to 
see the light at the end of the tunnel sure. at that Who, point in time. Yeah. So what was, was your, like, what was your rhythm or how'd you survive? Like, how'd you keep saying every day? Like, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go into work from eight to eight, Jeanette. I'm going to keep doing this. Yeah. I Nothing think, objectively tells me this is smart, but I'm going to keep going. That's where the calling and the passion part comes in. Cause if you don't have that, it would be much, much easier to just walk away from it. Sure. It would be much, much easier. But I think when you're driven and I, I feel very fortunate, there's, there's several factors there. One is I was able to find something that I'm mm. so aligned with that I wanted to keep showing up. Mm. That's number one. Number two is I also absolutely hit the jackpot with the people that I was interacting with and the team that I was able to surround myself with. Mm. Um, if I were just doing this on my own, it would be a much tougher test of will, but surrounding myself with the people that I've been lucky enough to surround myself with my partners and the team, which back then was just, there was me and two other people we didn't have any employees or anything. Um, but little relationship, little push from them, the motivation to come back and feel like you're the part of something bigger than just yourself. Um, and somebody to vent to when times are tough, somebody to lift you up when you need it. Um, that's definitely what allowed me to push through and continue. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I, uh, it, it's not always this black and white, but I always off, I often ask myself like, man, is this foolish or is it resilience? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, is this great? Am I, am I the only one that's really insane and crazy? Or is this like, just keep chopping wood. Right. And again, I know it's a, it's a messy mix of all that all the time. Um, but, well, but by the time year number five rolled around and it wasn't substantially different for us personally or professionally, and that's when you start to question year five. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, year number five for me was when Jeanette had our first child. And so wow. that was when she wanted to stay home. She, she was fantastic at her job and she had a fantastic time at General Mills, but she's really wired as a mother to stay home. We didn't have that opportunity financially. And so that was a major, major test for us. Um, and, you know, looking back, the sacrifices that she made, or I guess would be the third piece of this, because now moving in on year number 15, um, everything has been very worth it, but she had to sacrifice so much too yeah. along the way. Yeah. How did you two kind of navigate that, um, healthy tension, but that tension between, hey, hang in with me, it's coming, trust the long-term, I'm aligned with this, versus the short-term reality of, like, I think those, you know, competing viewpoints are always at at war, at least with me. Oh, yeah. This, like, short-term, uh, it's overused in my opinion, but the short-term gratification thing versus this, like, long-term payoff. Mm-hmm. Um, How'd you guys navigate kind of that tension? It's a constant discussion. And you talk about the importance of sales. To me, there's no more important thing than selling Jeanette on trying to keep her happy with me. (laughs) She hasn't caught on yet as far as the marital differential that we have and how much she brings to the table versus me. Um, But it's easily the single biggest sales job because (laughs) she didn't see, she's not there at the office with me. She knows and loves my partner. She loves their families. She knew we had a good thing going. Um, but she didn't see the projection. She didn't see the spreadsheet. Mm. She wasn't in all of those meetings. And so she just had to go on her gut that I think this is going to work out. Mm. And, you know, to have those conversations with her, it's just a constant conversation about, thank you. We're going to be okay. We'll get Mm. there. Just wait till we're, you know, if we're in our thirties at the time, wait Mm. till we're in our Mm forties, just try and keep moving the thing a little bit forward every single year to move in the right direction where 
she could see maybe the lights at the end of the tunnel. So yeah. proudly say after her hanging in there, last year was the first year she was able to stay home with the kids. Awesome. So, On year 14. Uh, last year would have been, yeah, year yeah, 13 or 14. Yeah. yeah, I'm losing track of time. But yeah, yeah 2019, we started yeah. in 2007. So That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Um, so that that entire time, like, I, I, I'm selfishly, like, curious about this, and I'm sure other listeners who are um, – attempting their own thing or doing the side hustle thing or growing a small business or trying to grow a book of business as a salesperson or whatever. Um, what were some of your daily kind of habits, routine? I mean, I, you uh, specifically, as, as, as we've gotten to know each other, like um, you were you are much more disciplined and consistent than me um, in, in areas that, that my wife would probably uh, – prefer that I was more like you than me um you could say that again yeah yeah no I know dude in a million in a million ways um and by the way I hit the jackpot too so I so I know exactly that ultimate sales job um so what were some of those I mean eight to eight like you've talked to me about like how you blocked your calendar how you tracked calls how you um kind of stayed that the the uh, my long-winded way to the question is like the coaching cliche of trust the process sounds so lame and boring and non-sexy, but like, it's really the thing. It's really the answer in the, the daily show up, do the thing. Not, not, not glamorous. It takes 13 years to build a really successful company, right? Like mm-hmm. that, that flip of like, Oh, I've, I see AJ on LinkedIn. They do look, he's a partner at a firm in Austin and they manage $450 million. Like lucky guy. <laughs> yeah. That's not how it works. Like it worked by 13 years of showing up and doing what you do on a daily basis, which is what? Like, a, well, what's your daily kind of? No, yeah, it's a great question because I am creature of habit guy. And so even down to breakfast and lunch being basically the same thing every single day, don't have to think about it. Um, that's a, it's a powerful trait in some ways. Um, but it can also be a detriment in some ways because mm. you can lose sight of the joy and the fun and the, the experience along the way. Mm. Um, and so anyways, for us, how you start is how you finish. We started working those hours and it was just natural to us. It was, it was a requirement. Um, and so we don't know any different. And to this day, it's still very, very often that I'm not the last one leaving the office, that my partners are there longer than me. They're fully committed, fully mm. invested. And so I'm kind of surrounded by it and that becomes the norm. The norm, yeah. Yeah, but I do think the importance, uh, these tiny little decisions that we make every single day that are not exciting in the moment end up building on themselves over time. And looking back, you can see, oh, yes, to your point, it's fantastic to be at this place. We're growing in Austin. We're in a fantastic city, but in year number five, in year number seven, when you're making that tiny little decision to show up that day, to have a productive day, to call a client back, to answer a tough question when their account's down 60%, to respond to deepen that relationship and be there when times are tough, uh, you don't really see that, okay, 15 years from now, it could look like something that's more fun and enjoyable and have more free time and Mm. time with the kids and family and a chance to design a life where if a kid's sick and you need to stay home or if you need to run to a doctor appointment, you can't because those moments didn't exist in the beginning mm. and you lose sight of your own personal health even and all the stuff that actually matters. Mm. So um, I don't know what the 
magic ingredient is there other than discipline around responsible decisions, trying to make things that put the odds of success in your favor. So trying to stack the deck where the probability of a better outcome is high. And then um, focusing on, in our case, constantly doing the right thing for the client so that they keep coming back for more. I can't discount their participation in this also. Like, I, I truly feel like the luckiest person in the world in terms of being able to do something that I'm passionate about with a fantastic team of people where we all get along and it's like our own little family with clients who choose to continue to come back and seek advice from us. Mm. Man, you're, you're well articulated in describing that like journey that, um, you know, my mind went immediately and it's a, it's, your world more than mine but that compounding interest effect of certainly financially right but but maybe more importantly I don't know whatever we can we can argue about that not us but I'm just saying like society can argue what's more important but this compounding effect of like just showing up and chopping wood doing your thing being making responsible decisions as you said like how that pays off in relationship in marriage in success however we want to define that in business health and that doesn't always mean good easy up and to the right <laughs> my, my, my counselor our therapist is always like he's like Justin the, the answer isn't always up and to the right like sometimes it just is painful and hard and ugly and that that's okay too right like um but that doesn't discount this I love how you articulated that kind of this daily responsibility making good decisions on a daily basis is really fascinating. Well, and a lot of stuff happens below the surface with, with Kobe Bryant in the news mm. recently, you saw a bunch of stories come out about his work ethic and about the mm. decisions that he made every single day to show up and work and get better and try and improve a little bit, just a little incremental improvement each day mm. and what that led to. And so you see the stuff that's visible for him and his success in terms of the championships. And I think it's true with so many athletes where, it takes more than just being blessed with this freakish physical talent. Those kids now more than ever are deciding at 5 a.m. when it's four degrees outside that they're going to wake up and go to the gym and outwork whoever's there. So it takes a combination of talent plus commitment and a willingness to do things that maybe other people aren't willing to do in order to reach these fantastic outcomes. I'm also lucky enough to see that in my clients where you work with someone over a long period of time and you're able to see them achieve things where they weren't able to maybe even see for themselves a decade ago. And so I think as a testament to you and your podcast here, as mm -hmm. all the people that you brought in, you start to see these themes of what it takes in order for people to encounter success. So mm -hmm. I appreciate the things that you're bringing to the table with the conversations you're having here. Cause I think there are definite themes and just to put you on the spot here, when is the book coming out that you oh will boy. write on? Oh boy. Um, how to, how to become a success by Justin Richards. <laughs> Blow up everything in your life and, and then, and then gradually rebuild it. No, I mean the, the, the honest answer is um, I'm working on one and, and I don't know the, the, the themes will be consistent to that. I, I think it will be a, a much more personal take of um, a, a period of my life where uh, there was, a, you know, there's a dynamite stick in my hand, proverbially, of course, and I was muscling my way through some really tough kind of circumstances, and, and, and frankly, like, almost performing my way through them. Marriage, family, 
big kind of corporate visible thing. Um, people that have listened to the show know what, the, what that means. Um, and also like this emerging kind of side hustle thing that was taking place, which is now Guild Content. Uh, and looking at like surveying that landscape and I didn't have the, I'd honestly, I mean, you said this about your clients, like the, the ability for you to see something they couldn't, I didn't see this about myself. I didn't, I didn't create this analogy. Um, a wise friend had given me this advice of like, man, you've got to stick a dynamite in your hand. It's going to blow up. It'll blow you up if you don't do anything, or you can go like set it on one of these different, um, you know, big buckets of stuff, right? You can blow up your family. You could blow up your job. You could blow up your side hustle or you could blow up yourself. And, and again, there's so much more complexity to all of it, but like in a, in a fairly nuanced conversation, um, that was the like, oh man, like I'm going to blow something up in a huge way. And, and that's a terrifying reality to think about like my, uh, there's really good parts about all of us, but my dysfunctional parts being so blind to see like, Oh, this isn't, this isn't actually going that great. (laughs) And so that's, um, that, that honestly, that, uh, period, I'm I'm telling you that story because in that period of time, um, lots of things had to like unravel and be, and be broken in order for me to see a way forward in a healthier, kind of more grounded, more stable, um, way. And, and so therefore like that's, that's the contents of the book. Those are the contents of the book where there's like all of these complexities around marriage and family and money and identity and lack of vulnerability, all this kind of stuff is, um, is a period of time. So, so I don't know when that thing gets done. My, um, challenge for myself and, 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 and those that know me well know this is like, and I'd put you in that category, so this isn't um, news to you. But you chopping wood every day, being consistent. For me, um, the, the opposite is typically the, the default, the instinct, right, of like, I'll go on a crazy diet for four days and like, oh, screw it. If I didn't lose 12 pounds in four days, I'm like, fuck, this is stupid. Like, I need to do something better, right? But the, the long term, and that's where I'm, uh, again, kind of slowly growing in the process, but growing into this, like, Hey, just eat the same thing for lunch today. It's going to be okay. You're not going to miss out, man. And, and like the, the eating the same breakfast and lunch every day is like radically beneficial for me. It really is. I, I mean that in a, in a sincere way of like that consistent show up, do the work, pay, pays off, not only whatever financially or whatever pays off in just kind of this groundedness for me. So that's awesome. You put me on the spot, and, and I haven't I haven't shared that, so that's weird to share it on my own podcast. But um, that there is a book brewing, and 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 back to that comment is the daily objective of writing five hundred. For me, it's like, oh yeah, yeah I want to write a book and do all these amazing stuff. These I'll chase these random rabbit trail ideas all, all day long. That's fun and invigorating for me to sit down and write five hundred words every day. Daily discipline. It leads to two books a year. Okay. I'm, I'm not saying that that's the path I'm on is like mm-hmm. to be a book, you know, generator twice a year. Um, but we've had Corey Carlson on the show. We've had other people who've written books or big pieces of work. And it's like the misconception, just like your misconception of building 
uh, a 15 year overnight success or the people that would have a misconception about your business is like, no, no, no. For the first 12, it was really freaking hard. The same about writing a book or building a business or building a relationship that works with a spouse is no, write the 500 words every day. Maybe they suck. Maybe they suck. Maybe they're amazing, but do it every day. And all of a sudden in six months, you've got whatever you're the math guy. You've got enough words in a vault that, like, there's a book in that mess, right? Um, so well, that's what I wonder. You know, every person that's been on here and talking about the relationship that they have, I, I've been curious as I've listened to the guests on your podcast about what is it that leads even to their own personal relationship success? Yeah. yeah. Is it something that they're doing that they bring to the table? Is it the discipline to show up every single day in that space of your life? Um, are they wired a certain way? I don't, I don't know what the thing is, but I see some commonalities in the guests that you've had here where mm. they stay at one place for a long period of time for their work. Yeah. Find a calling, they stick to it. They find something with their spouse, they stick to it. Yeah. There's some commonality there for sure, it seems like. Yeah, and I think, man, maybe this is like season of life uh, you and I are in as we're you know, knocking on doors that we used to consider old and like diff- different parts of our... our um, our journey or, you know, we're, we're, we're shifting maybe from this kind of like this need to be successful to this need to be significant. And, and the, you know, I mean, there's different languages like, Hey, we're, we're entering the second mountain of life or we're um, working on things that are of more like substance and legacy type stuff, as opposed to like, Hey, I need to get promoted and make more money and have a bigger title or whatever. Right. Like those things are still cool and important or whatever. Um, But, but I, I think, it's interesting to hear you say that because for me, it's like, I want to surround myself with people that, that can inspire me to like go forward on that path. And you're that guy, like you're even the way you framed up the business is like for, maybe I'll butcher it, but for a life of growth or some version of that. Is that right? There you go. Yeah. Okay. Um, sorry. Marketing messages mean a lot to me. So I resonated with that one, but like that, that, it says so much in such a simple phrase. Like, how did you guys land on, on that? Yeah, have to give. I, th- I think it was Raúl, one of my business partners, credit. We were all sitting there as a team, and we just last summer went through the biggest professional exercise that we've ever mm-hmm. gone through, which is uh, being affiliated with a large national broker dealer to a move to full independence as a registered investment advisor. Which you got the language and the acronym nice. correct there, RA. Nice. Um, so. At the time, we were managing $550 million, and we had something like, it was over 1,000 families we wow. were helping. So we make this announcement, um, we were moving to independence, mm. and you're not allowed to take really any information mm. with you. So it's the ultimate gut check of mm. that scene from Jerry Maguire about who's coming with me. <laughs> Starting over again with $0 in income, building the whole <laughs> thing over. That was, I think, year number 12 for me. Um, and just making phone calls to the hundreds of families that you've been working with over the past 12 years and saying, all right, here's Who's with me planting our flag. Yeah. Are you, you want on board or not? And Raul, I think came up with that for a life of growth as we were talking about how we want to design this next chapter in our firm mm. and what it looks like going forward. Mm. We truly want to build something which is bigger than any of us as mm. individuals. Mm. And to your point about legacy, we would love nothing more than to make sure that our clients who have trusted us over the years have a place where they can mm continue to come get good financial advice, no matter what happens to any of us, where their kids can come get good financial advice. And hopefully we can build something uh, that can last 
beyond us. And this, this gives us the chance to do that. Um, but it certainly wasn't guaranteed even just last summer as we made this massive transition and leading hundreds of families through that, leading our team through it, leading our staff and just us as advisors in the firm. There's a lot of moving parts over the past six to 12 months as we work through all of, sure, all of that stuff. I can't even imagine, man. Yeah, but it all the desire for that all comes back to the legacy part and being able to truly build something meaningful and significant and have a larger impact and help more families achieve their own personal goals and success as time goes on. That's amazing. And, and you've used this language I've picked up a couple of times of, of designing, like designing your life, designing a firm design, like, um, why, why does that verb, why, why do you use that verb specifically? Mm, I didn't notice that I was, but you know, Thoughtfully, I've tried to be intentional about who I surround myself with, and I've tried to have an impact on my own personal universe. And so I do think that we have some authority or autonomy in the design of our life. And if we're not happy, I think we have the power to make changes, pivot and go in a different direction. Mm. So I try and reflect on that constantly in terms of where are Jeanette and I at with our relationship? Where are we at with the kids? How are they doing? How are we doing professionally? Are we taking care of clients in the right way? Are we meeting all of their needs, taking care of our staff? All of these things relate. And so I think we do have some say in the design of what we're experiencing. And I think it's a, a more empowered way to live if you pursue what's important to you, what's meaningful, and try and find significance in all of this. We only get one shot at it, so mm -hmm. want to do it the right way. Mm -hmm. Man, that's good. Um, uh, yeah, um I'm swirling with ways I want to go, <laughs> but it's like this, um, I don't know, like this urgent responsibility kind of to like, not, not in this individualistic way, but like to own or, or, or um, I mean, maybe designs the rest the right word, but steward, step into uh, empowered, like own your life in a way that like nobody else has to, you can't blame anybody else. You're here for the like. Um, I, I'm I'm struggling to articulate what you've already said, but is really empowering to say like no, like if if you're unhappy with something, like you've you've got the ability to do something different. Yeah, and your perception of that matters, right? Yeah, like two people can be dealt the exact same hand and see it and interpret it in a completely different way. And so our minds are very powerful and wiring yourself to see the glasses half full and to see the silver lining in any situation, I think is super critical to long-term and personal happiness. But to me, like you specifically are, um, how do I say this? The, the, when you went back to talk about like, Hey, I've got these, you know, I want to know how I'm, how I'm doing relationally with Jedi. I want to know how we're doing relationally with our kids. I want to know how, like that, those aren't gut feels to you. That's not like some subjective. I mean, you, I think you're wired in a way that would be really helpful for lots of people. Like you kind of have like these organized systems to, uh, again, not like diagnose it or prescribe or oh, be you're like right. formulaic. Yeah. Um, but just in our friendship, I've seen this kind of like, no, you have like, did we have a date or not? <laughs> like if I have a date with my wife, generally speaking, if I do that consistently over time, she still is sold on the lie that I that I'm worthy of her love, right? I'm, yes, I'm, no, I'm whatever it takes to it. your point, but like, oh yeah, um, no, I actually came up with a 
theory around that, which is my marital satisfaction score. Yes. Can I tell you this? No, but but I'm not. I'm laughing because I'm like, yes, that's the better way. Marital satisfaction score. <laughs> so I realized in conversations with our friends and people who are going through similar relationship, you know, uh, development, like the kids and how you manage all that with work and everything else, that pretty universally, I'm going to speak in a general term, um, women are significantly more talented than men. They bring a lot more to the table. They do more. And as a result, everyone's nodding their head right now. Yeah. As a a result, because guys do very little, (laughs) it takes very little for a guy to be happy and to think he's doing the right stuff. Oh man. What I think it takes as a guy, um, is to have the courage to ask, how happy are you? Mm. What's going on? And I think universally, just as a general rule of thumb, if you were to quiz men and women, say, how happy are you in your relationship? On average, I would guess the guy would score it higher than the <laughs> girl, yeah. which means guys need to do more. They need to bring more to the, t- you know, how do you balance that marital satisfaction score? So Jeanette and I were having that conversation a few years ago and confirmed my theory, confirmed my theory. And so she taught me a very important phrase, which is what can I do to help? Mm. And it turns out that goes a long way towards improving the marital mm. satisfaction score. Awesome. Yeah, some of it's robotic and rote, but I, it's the way that my mind works, and I have to think about it in those objective terms, um, even just to deliver on something that might be more intangible in the relationship. Yeah, well, I think it's so helpful to have this kind of, uh, this phrase I've used a thousand times in the last two months is like to have a trellis, to have a structure, to have a framework to for the vines to grow in a healthy way. Like the, the, to make good wine, you have to have good grapes and to have good grapes, you have to have a trellis that the, the thing, the vine can climb. And so to have this trellis or this, you know, objective, non-emotional, again, relationships are very emotional to be clear. Um, but to have that structure, I think is amazing. Your, your story reminded me, there's a good buddy of ours who told the similar story where they went to a marriage conference and the intake form, was like, you know, how many years have you been married? How many kids do you have? Where do you live? On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate your marriage? Pretty black and white, right? Intake form, like you're sitting at the doctor. He wrote an 8, circled 8. 8, I mean, yeah, like, dude, of course. Like, there's some things we could get better at, and, like, I'm not always the most patient, and I kind of lose my cool sometimes. Yeah, 8, probably about an 8. No, no concept of what she filled out. Same thing. We've been married this many times, or this many, <laughs> this many years. Um, here's where we live. Uh, she circled a three. <laughs> That's probably average. That's probably average. And he was so hurt. He was like a three. <laughs> like I was like maybe I could see you giving a six, but like a three. And she's like, yeah, man. Like, the, and then she going into this. No, the reality of the situation is a three. Well, and I think the step number one there is the awareness of it, right? And I think we're all probably guilty of paying more attention at work where you actually have annual reviews. You provide constructive feedback. You have regular meetings. There's all this structure around work relationships that don't really exist at home. And I think especially because um, of whichever spouse has the tendency to do more, um, it's natural for that to build resentment over time and just, why don't you see the same thing I see? And so having the courage to ask the question, put yourself out there and say, where are we? Where do I stand? And what can we do to get better? I think is hugely important. If you don't have the conversation, it can get swept under the rug and that's when things spiral in the wrong way. Mm. So I think that's part of 
10, 20, 30 years of growth together. And, you know, you don't hopefully want to be in the same place in your 40s as you were in your 20s. But meeting in your 20s means you have to have a commitment to be with each other through those changes in growth. How do you like 40s version of AJ versus 20s version of AJ? 40s version of AJ is much, much happier than mm. 20s version, for sure. I feel like we've settled into a nice groove personally, and we're so blessed. I think Jeanette would agree. We're the luckiest parents on earth with these mm. three little kids that we have the privilege of raising. Mm. And Austin, of course, is a fantastic place to be. Just by luck of the draw, we landed in a fantastic neighborhood with fantastic kids, passionate about our work and the lives we've built and the friends that we have down there. So awesome. very, very fortunate and happy to be at the place where I am now in my 40s. Yeah, that's awesome. And and, and uh, I'm hopeful I can share the story. You've got one of your kiddos, like, jumped on the plane with you to come to KC, which is, for you, I think, probably mostly a work trip or, a, you know, check in with family and friends like me or whatever. But, like, um, the, the ability for you, I mean, it, it echoes in your, like, you designed a life where you can take your four-year-old daughter with you on a work trip. That's pretty cool. It's unreal. Yeah, and she's seeing snow for the first time. She's getting time with grandpa and grandma. She's never had That's alone awesome. time with them before. Gives Jeanette a little break at home. Yep. And she has both of our boys in school. Um, so, yeah, everybody wins. And I think for sure, looking back, there, I knew that this was possible, but it, at times certainly didn't seem realistic that this would be the case. And I still feel young at 41. There's a lot of mm -hmm. work ahead of me, and we – we have the chance to have some flexibility with our schedules and spend time with the kids mm -hmm. and explore and really enjoy this time while they still want to spend time with us, yep. which is yep. this finite little window of time. The other benefit to working with as many people as I do is I'm able to see kind of fast forward and have a perspective of life through their experience, mm -hmm. my clients. And so knowing as a parent, this little chance that we have to make an impression on our kids is super precious and incredibly finite. So wanting to indulge with them, make our little mark, show them the world, have an influence on them while we have the chance is massively important to me for sure. Man, that's awesome. I, I, I could stay in these kind of waters with you for another couple hours, but um, what if we shifted to something more lighthearted quickly? Um, and maybe it'll lead us back to depth. I don't know, but uh, you're a huge Chiefs fan. Oh, yeah. Grew up in KC. Um, and, and, I mean, it's your story, but you've been swept up in the Chiefs thing these last couple months. What's that looked, What's that been like? Or what's that specifically looked like? Single most irrational <laughs> but exciting experience of my life. Uh, of course, 2014 and 15 when the Royals are in the World Series. Yep. Um, you get a little taste of it. And I was lucky enough to come back in 2014 and see uh, game six and seven huh. walking through Kauffman Stadium and just the tailgate experience. Dad oh, had man. season tickets to the Chiefs when Montana came, so I had 10, 15 years of weekends out at Arrowhead. He had season tickets to the Royals, so just being in your home ballpark around the people that you grew up with, going to an actual championship game, which for here for 30, 40 years didn't seem like it was going to be possible, um, was completely surreal. And so I always told myself, the Chiefs make it to the Super Bowl. What an experience to be at. And so uh, the AFC Championship game, of course, we're in Texas. It's hard to brainwash your kids into liking things from Missouri when they're surrounded like, and constantly. Yeah, right, right. Longhorns, Texas. There's a yeah. lot of Texas pride, as you know. It's a proud state. 
Um, Cowboys, yeah. Everything. Yep. So yep. my oldest son is a people pleaser. He does whatever I want him to do. So he's fully on board How with the Chiefs he? Royals. He's eight. eight. Okay, yeah, okay. people yeah. pleaser guy, though. The six-year-old marches to the beat of his own drum, doesn't care, and he's all in on Texas, and he does it just to stir the pot and get me going. Like 99% of why he likes it is because it gets a rise out of me. It's like why my daughter cheers for KU. For sure. Yeah. They get it. But like you're not going to Kansas, dude. Right. I love the no, Jags people listening, but like, please. no, you're not going to KU, no, man. No. It's a four-letter word. <laughs> so the Texans, the universe lines up to where Chiefs are playing at Arrowhead. Texans are coming to town. And so I was actually able to bring them back, both boys. Oh, and my, awesome. my brother-in-law was raised in Houston, um, basically through high school. So he's a big Texans fan. So we all road trip back, came to that game, and the Chiefs go down 24 nothing. My six-year-old son is loving it. My brother-in-law is loving it. Of course. And, of course, it seems like, okay. Doomsday. My dream of going to the Super Bowl, at least now I don't have to worry about actually pulling the trigger on those tickets. It's delayed at least a year. My yeah. kid will be happy. He'll come home a champ, you know, and he'll have this positive experience. And then one disappointed kid. Well, of course, Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs rally. Next thing you know, AFC Championship, which we didn't come back for, but um, watching that from Texas and they win, then comes a gut check of what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And pulled the trigger on it, went <laughs> went to Miami, and it easily is the single greatest experience that we've had. Sports travel is one of my favorite things, traveling to these different events, and it's bucket list. Like, I truly have a spreadsheet of the things that I wanted to accomplish in <laughs> Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Of course you do. You literally like have a file save as Oh, yeah, Duke, North Dr. Carolina, <laughs> Auburn, Alabama. Like, I want to see all the rivalries. I want to see all this stuff. and want to take the kids. But it's it. not in your head. It's written down, like in oh, yeah, a spreadsheet. Of course. If you don't write it down, it's not going to happen. <laughs> It's amazing. Um, it's a different thing having it in a spreadsheet than actually hitting submit on that ticket order. So when it came to life, mm-hmm. I honestly didn't have the courage to do it. I, I don't actually enjoy spending money. I'm wired irrationally so to save money. And um, Jeanette, my wife, was hugely instrumental. And mm-hmm. as I'm sitting there listening to the 810 Sports app, which I apologize to you, I've been avoiding some of the podcast content recently because I've been just absorbing nothing but Chiefs. You so and the rest of Chiefs Kingdom. My apologies. Yes. No, not I needed. Mean, goosebumps as Mitch Holt is just sitting there calling the stuff and Jeanette sees it. She's like, every single morning, I'm goosebumps. She's like, AJ, we got to go. We got to go. Awesome. And seriously, had the time of our lives. Chiefs fans showed up. It was fantastic. And to see actual history made in terms of yeah. youngest quarterback of all yeah. time to win. I mean, all this stuff and the way that the game played out with it, having to come back and People just losing their minds. There's a, the guy sitting next to me was from Wichita, season ticket holder. He commutes from Wichita every single game man. and drives back to Wichita at the end of the game. He's a grown man. He's weeping at the end of the game <laughs> as the Chiefs are walking. I mean, of course he is. There's yeah. no way to describe this yeah. stuff other than just yeah. being there. Yeah, it was worth every single penny. That's awesome. And it was a lot of pennies. It was several pennies. pennies. Several pennies. Several pennies. Um, but I, I think for it, it. it encapsulates or articulates the your your life man like build this consistent track record of show up do the thing and and at the same time have the awareness and and we need other people in our life to be able to point those things to us like Jeanette did for you of like no part of the reason we've done this for all of this time and made these sacrifices and done this thing is so that AJ we can go to the Super Bowl for sure. Yeah. And, and enjoy that together. That's so cool. I think the hardest thing there is the context of learning, especially with money, since money means different things to different people, of learning, having the discernment to say, uh, 
here's the yeah. opportunity we want to go for. So yeah, it's one sure. thing to be prepared for the opportunity is another thing to know when to strike. Oh, in my, so many disease, ways. my disease is like, yep, yeah, let's go. Exactly. <laughs> no, let's go. It'll be fine. <laughs> no, we'll figure it out, babe. It'll be good. And Brooke's like, hey, man, like you haven't been AJ for 15 years. <laughs> That'll be fine, babe. It's fine. Cool. No worries. No comment. No, yeah. no comment. None needed. I'm sure everyone can fill in their own gaps. Um, My gosh, dude. Like, p- Part of this, honestly, is uh, we haven't caught up in a long time. So I want this conversation to go. And I'm, look, I'm staring at this clock, and it's giving me anxiety because I know I told you it would only be like 45 minutes. Um, I, I think, though, the, the thing I want, if you're open to it, to – for, for you to maybe unpack a bit before we wind it down. It, and it's back to your business and back to your tagline. But <clears throat> I've picked up a couple notes along the way, that, as you've said, like design, growth, the universe is responding. Like you have this mentality that, yes, like is spreadsheet oriented and, and disciplined and have this behavior. You could do those same activities, though, through this fearful scarcity, oh, God, everything's going to crash and burn like it did in 2008 mentality, I think. Um, same behavior. I can show up and do the work and just be a terrified freaking mess all day long or an anxious mess. Um, and, again, it's not all black and white. We mix, we mix and match all this stuff all the time. But, like, what practices do you have in your life that kind of – tend to gravitate towards like this growth mindset, this abundant mindset, this, the universe is cheering for you mindset or the spiritual dynamics or this kind of mysterious stuff that isn't, that isn't defined in a spreadsheet, but that, that also isn't this like anxious, fearful, scarcity minded mess. Is my question making sense? Oh yeah, it's a great question. I think it's another area where I've been incredibly fortunate. Mm. My dad was a small business owner and he took a massive risk. I think I was in fifth grade at the time. He was managing a cardiology office here in oh, town. Okay. And his doctors seems like a good gig on the team. It was a very good gig, secure gig. Um, his doctors on the team wanted to invest their personal money. And so they started companies buying companies mm. and um, they allowed dad to participate in them and run the company. And it, mm. it was a massive entrepreneurial risk at a time when uh, I think my older brother would have been a senior in high school. And so thinking about it from my parents' perspective, they have four kids with college bills coming oh, and man. insecurity financially. Um, and it ended up being uh, the greatest decision that he made personally. And I think my mom was probably scared about it along the way. She was a very conservative person. But seeing that as an example was kind of the foundation. I was a young child at the time. And then what it led to in terms of their ability to impact families and their ability to help people who didn't even know that they were being helped and how it allowed my mom to spend time with us um, while she was able to and how it allowed them to see the world. I just had that example, um, which is unique, I think. And then seeing how they made decisions along the way really impacted my thought. Sure. And so um, trying to be very diligent about who I surround myself with constantly. And I'm surrounding myself by people who are a couple steps ahead of me Mm. and raise the bar for me personally. And I mean that in terms of my business partners. I mean that in terms of my staff. They push me. I mean that in terms of Jeanette, who mm. pushes me. Everybody's mm. a couple steps ahead of AJ, and I'm lucky enough to be eating their dust along the way. Mm. Um, and so it's the thing that I'm intentional about mostly is who I surround myself with. To me, it's the most important ingredient. And even my clients are very successful people, and I'm lucky enough to hear all of the cool things that they're doing. 
So the majority of things, whether it's taking Jeanette to some event that I didn't even know about, I'm constantly talking to cool people who are doing things that are much cooler than me. And so it's changed my universe and expanded it in a way where I have ideas that I could never come up with on my own because I steal them from people who are doing yeah. things better than me. Yeah. So that's, well said, that's my man. trick. That's a good trick, dude. It's a good trick. Um, as we get into this last uh, piece here, which you've, you've heard, you've heard the final five questions, speed story. Um, if you were, before we get there, if you were to write, you know, some thoughts or some themes or, or build a spreadsheet for uh, 18-year-old AJ, what, what would you be sure that, you know, 40s version of AJ would communicate to, to him? I would sum it up as get out, see the world. It's a big place out there. There's a lot of cool things and exciting things going on. And I think growing up in Kansas City was fantastic in terms of the security of the community and the routine and the comfort of yeah. seeing people when you're out in public who know every single thing about you and are there for you and have your back pretty much no matter what. It's fantastic. Um, but I always had this itch for something bigger. And I think through the travels that I had with my family and other things, I was exposed to a lot of cool things. Um, and so I think the importance of growing your world um, also can't be overstated. And so I would say get out, see the world. Go to the Super Bowl. Go to the Super Bowl every <laughs> night. Ex experiences over things, for yeah, sure. man. Experiences over things. Preach That's what that. life is about. Yeah, preach. Um, last anecdote, I thought of another one. Rabbit trail. Weren't you Mr. OP? Yes. <laughs> Thank tell, you. For people, who, I Thank just you. thought of this, like, like, yeah, fifteen-year-old Justin remembers eighteen-year-old AJ as like the guy. Like everybody, like everybody wants to be like AJ. He's funny, smart, he's handsome, he's got his shit together. Like that's a that's the guy. Well, tell us about Mr. OP, man. Honestly, what's the highlight the, of your life? What's clearly. the clock say over there? How much time do we have? Uh, I mean, technically, I've got as much time as you have, but we are. Oh, yeah, we I are, thought we, we would are, never get to AJ's high school experience. So thank you. We for are over one up. hour, and everybody is just now going like. Please give us another Okay, now's hour. the time to hit the off switch on the <laughs> podcast. No, honestly, uh, it's so funny that you bring that up because I'm so far removed from it. I don't really think about it, although I do, like, in a humorous uh, Al Bundy kind of way, pat myself on the back around the office and my friends down there about, like, as you should. <laughs> if you guys had known me when, because I get no respect there today. So I have to say, like, if you guys knew 16-year-old AJ. You would have been blown away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but, you know, I, I had, through my older siblings, uh, Eric, my older brother, I believe I'm remembering this correctly, ran for student council. And he, I was in fifth grade when he was a senior, so I would have been in fourth grade when he was a junior and trying to run for student mm -hmm. body president. And so I had this example that is just kind of normal. Like it was kind of, so I had people ahead of me who were blazing the trail and made things, you know, carve the path, made it path of less resistance. Yeah, so yeah. anyways, I was very fortunate with that. And it, it continues to this day, I think. I don't have to reinvent the wheel, just tag along with mm -hmm. successful people. Um, and so my high school experience, my childhood, all of that stuff is part of the foundation of, and it, it does instill some confidence, sure. um, I think, which is beneficial. And I, through our kids, try and expose them to the same sort of thing in terms of how to build relationships, mm -hmm. how to work on a team, how to assert yourself as a leader. And I learned all of those things that I think have, have paid dividends, honestly, to this day in my career about, even just public speaking, I had the good luck of running a bunch of assemblies back in high school and getting up in front of an audience yeah. and just kind of having a, a presence in front of people, I think, um, has helped in my career today because I'm constantly running meetings where people are counting on yeah. me for 
delivering something Energy, to them. man. Yeah, brilliant. Foundation looking back on it in terms of communication and relationship development and leadership and all that stuff is probably weighed back at Oak Park, honestly. Makes sense. That's, dude, love it. I love it. Okay, here we go, man. I don't want this to end, but I think it has to, unfortunately. The good news is we'll just we'll do it again. Like, we'll just do it again um, because we can. So, speed story. Five questions, first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. What is the last book you read or listened to? Ah, I texted you about this. Uh, Radney Foster is a singer-songwriter from Austin. Okay. Um, and so he did a book for you to see the stars. My sister-in-law yeah, yeah, let yeah. me borrow it. Yeah. And he has a line in there that you reminded me of as you were talking about your relationship and the stuff of getting gilled off the ground. He says it, it has to get dark for you to see the stars, which I think is lovely. Mm, it's more than lovely. It's profound, man. I think the, uh, it is lovely. But it's, it's, it's profound. In that book, he took his songs and extended them into short stories. So it's oh, like he develops awesome. the theme of the song and tells it in more. I'm going to have to grab that. Long form. Yeah, that, that resonates in a big way, man. That's awesome. Um, what would you do right now if you weren't afraid? I was thinking about it. I don't know if the podcast theme took a different turn this year, so I apologize. But last year was about uh, adrenaline type stuff. Jumping out of airplanes and stuff, yeah. Yeah, so if I, if I had to stick with that theme, I was thinking my childhood thing was to jump into that cage where you have a hanging off the back of a boat with sharks during a feeding session, which is crazy. Um, but I always thought that would be, that's awesome. Um, the other thing was space travel as it becomes, I was always wanting to be an astronaut and obsessed with space stuff when I was a kid. And so that becomes commercially available. I think that would make for a good photograph taking, you would get so many Instagram likes. Exactly. (laughs) That'd be awesome. Um, besides your, yeah, spreadsheet, uh, organization. If one, if people knew one thing you did, what would they think was weird or crazy? Yeah, I think my crazy thing is my uh, the thing I get the most crap about is my OCD around hand washing and cleanliness and germaphobe really? and stuff. Yeah, so to my thing about same thing for lunch every single day, I truly can't eat a meal or in a restaurant without going and washing my hands first. I'm like yeah. hand wash guy. Yeah. Um. So I think that's the thing I get the most crap. So about. related, are you plastic fork over metal fork guy? At the office for sure. Because you don't trust the metal fork. Correct. Yeah, I trust I've the metal learned fork that. at home, not at the office. Yeah, I've learned I don't know that. where that metal fork is. I've learned that. I've got a buddy, good buddy of mine, Will Patterson, who's the same way. And Will is like, in set, he, he's he's very specific about, I'm always going to choose the, uh, he won't like make a scene, right? Like he'll use the metal fork if that's the only option. Oh, I'll make but a he, scene. He, he will always choose the plastic fork. I'm like, dude, you're killing the turtles, bro. And he's oh, like, yeah. no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm not eating that. Totally irrational. But. <laughs> That's great. Um, you mentioned the big, the big earth. What's your favorite place on it? Ah, besides the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, we went on a trip this past year uh, to Vietnam and Singapore, and there's a place in Vietnam called Ha Long Bay. And so I was thinking about this quantitatively. You won't be surprised. The most pictures per minute that I've ever taken in my life were at Ha Long Bay in Vietnam. Is gorgeous. Wait a second, hold up. You so you. you that's like a thing. Like that's a metric. Like you've no, tracked? I made up the metric. Okay, I was no, like, no, I did you the- actually track that? I just noticed. Like this is getting out of control. I got to step away from <laughs> the camera um, and just actually enjoy the experience. Um, personally, we have a farm, a cabin in the Ozarks. Um, so that's personally another favorite place. Grew up going there on the weekends and tons oh, and tons man. of memories with mom and other family there. So the farm is a very special place. Uh, I love that. I love both of those answers. Um, all right, man. So bring us home. When it's all said and done, what do you want to be remembered for? Mm, I've been thinking about that as well. So of course you have. Uh, at mom's funeral, it's the only time that I've seen this. Out of every funeral I've been to, she actually got a standing ovation. Whoa. I think that was 
an acknowledgement of a life well lived, the mm-hmm. impact that she had. I've never seen it before or since. Um, so when I think about my my personal greatest legacy is with our three little kids. So I would love to turn them into good people, be remembered for what they're able to do and the good that they're able to bring to the world. And so that's the mission. Mm-hmm. Standing ovation, bro. What a what an awesome way to end it, dude. Deep breath. Um, where do people follow along with you, man? Where could they kind AustinPrivateWealth.com. Okay. Go check us out. And uh, don't, don't have much social media presence there professionally, but yeah. personally I'm on Facebook. And people, if, if you haven't heard from me since high school, you want to connect, feel free. I love it. AJ, it's a pleasure. And we are um, absolutely going to do this again. Maybe in Austin. Maybe that's a good excuse for, for Brooke and I to like, hightail it to Austin. Work trip. Yeah, come I down. Mean, come on. We're in. It's the place to be. Thanks, dude. We're welcome anytime. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, man.